Welcome to the weekly podcast of Upper Room Christian Fellowship in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Psalm 34. We will finish that this morning, Lord willing. Then next week we'll get back in Romans. You stand for the reading of the Word of God. Starting in verse 1, Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me, delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were irradiant. Their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him, saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you for your word, for it is live and powerful. Lord, our desire this morning is to come before you humbly and to receive what your spirit would teach each of us. Knowing, Lord, that each of us will go through sorrows and tribulations with broken hearts. Lord, just pray that you would help us to understand really what it means to stay in step with you and to trust you no matter what. Lord, if there's some here that have a broken heart this morning, I pray that you would minister to them in a special way. Give them ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord, and to understand. Lord, we just pray that for all of us, for Each of us will have a broken heart sometime in our lives. So we just lift this time up to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. David, remember, a little background for the psalm. David was running. He was running. He was running away from, well, Saul. But he wasn't just running away from Saul. He was running away from his country. He was running away from his family. 
who's running away from his best friend. He had a broken heart. There was a, a song, and maybe only a few of you know this song, but it made me think of the lyrics of this song, so I'm just going to read them to you. It's by a little group called the Bee Gees. Now, this was before their disco days, okay? This is when they were more into pop. Title of the song is, How Can I Mend a Broken Heart? Or How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? Excuse me. I can think of younger days when living for my life was everything a man could want to do. I could never see tomorrow, but I was never told about the sorrows. And how can you mend a broken heart? How can you stop the rain from falling down? How can you stop the sun from shining? What makes the world go round? How can you mend this broken man? How can a loser ever win? Please help me mend my broken heart and let me live again. I can still feel the breeze that rustles through the trees and misty memories of days gone by. We could never see tomorrow. No one said a word about the sorrow. And how can you mend a broken heart? How can you stop the rain from falling? How can you stop the sun from shining? What makes the world go round? How can you mend this broken man? How can a loser <clears throat> excuse me, ever win? Please help me mend my broken heart and let me live again. La, 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 I'm kidding. I'm sorry, my humor got worse to me there. Just be thankful I didn't sing it to you. How can you mend a broken heart? If you're not perceptive, then let me give you some understanding. Everybody is broken. Everybody needs mending. Maybe you don't feel it at this moment, but you will. It's the life of sorrows. It's just as the song said. You're always told how fun and wonderful life can be as a youth, but then tragedy happens or the reality hits you inside of the face. And what you do and what you see is people that are broken. The world is broken. Many Christians are broken. How do you get past it? How do you actually rise above it? Well, David, if you will, he's broken, and yet there's a lot of things that we can learn from him. The first um, teaching in the first eight verses, we learned something. We learned that it was really a matter of the will. It was a matter of choice of what and who are you living for. It was a matter of seeking and seeing God for who He was and worshiping Him and praying to Him. It was a man of, matter of spending quality time with Him. And David went last week and taught us the fear of the Lord. What does it mean to fear the Lord? It's to see Him as He is, in His presence, and His glory, His majesty. It's to see Him, the one that hears us and sees us. The attributes of self-existence, of infinite, eternal, self-sufficient, all-powerful, all-knowing, and the righteous judge. But it's also seen the face of Christ for us that are believers. That Jesus Christ is the one that now we see His face. We understand His Word. We see the calming Spirit that He provides for each of us. It's His attributes and that He wants us to learn more about His love. 
that we have been redeemed, that we are saints. Now, how do we put that practically? Well, we're going to look at the verses 15 through 22. We're going to kind of get a a clue of how to put this into practice in the day-to-day manner. Look at verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their cry. The eyes and the ears of the Lord are attentive to the righteous. Who is the righteous? It's us. We've been declared righteous. Remember we talked about this in Romans. Therefore, having been justified or being made righteous by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. We're the righteous. So this is, this is, if you will, a letter to us. That the Lord does see us and hear us. He's attentive to our cry. Look at verse 16. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. It's the reality of understanding that God sees everything that happens, even those that are against you. Let me say that again. God sees those who oppose you. He sees it. Those that have inflicted you, those that have caused you pain and sorrow in your life, whether it be parents, whether it be friend, whether it be acquaintance, God understands. He sees. Nothing's hidden from His sight. It's to understand these things and to go forward. And do what? Look at verse 17. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Do you cry out? I mean, cry out. This isn't one of those meek things that says, Lord, help. This is a cry out. This is a Peter in the boat, out of the boat sinking and saying, Lord, help. It's the understanding that I have a need and I need help. So many times we go through this thinking, oh, I'll get through it, or nobody understands, or I can just sit here and melt and whine to myself without the understanding that God does hear and God wants us to cry out, the understanding that we are helpless without Him. So if you will, it's a cry of humility. Or, as we learn in verse 6, this poor man cries, poor, afflicted, humble, needy, weak, wretched, vulnerable. I need help. Notice, delivers them, takes away to rescue, to deliver from enemies or troubles. Death, deliver from sin and guilt, from out of all their troubles, not from. And see, that's what we think sometimes. It's what a lot of people as evangelists will preach and say, come to Christ and you'll never have any problems. No, that's not the point. The point is you're going to have problems, but now you're not alone. Now you have somebody you can cry out to. Now you have somebody that understands and sees everything. Now look at verse 18. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Notice again, first the word broken. That word means crushed, maimed, crippled, wrecked, wounded, heart. The grammar is a continual action. 
continually being broken, continually somebody saying something hurtful, continually the body defies you, continually a child disobeys, continually a broken heart. Contrite, grieving, penitent towards one's sin. See, it's not just actions that have taken to us, but it's also actions we have done can break us. Grief, sorrow, guilt, resentment. Does that describe you? Does it describe me? But notice too, that God is near. It speaks of place, time, of a personal relationship. God is near. Notice also that He saves. That word means to deliver, to give victory to. So what can we say? Not only that we cry out in humility and weakness, but we also come in faith that He is near and He saves regardless of how I feel. God is faithful. See how David had to grow through this? It wasn't like David just jumped up and said, hey, praise God, everything's good. No, because remember what he did was he faked, well, he went to Achish, the king of the Philistines, somebody that he was opposed to. He was the enemy. Now, last week I mentioned, or a couple weeks ago, that he sinned in going to him. Well, maybe that is a strong word, but let me put it this way. He put himself in a position that he could have fell. He went to the enemy's camp. And how many times do we do that? We go do some, go to somewhere that we shouldn't be, in a place we shouldn't be. Because I hurt. And you can fill in the blank. Where is that place? You think you're going to find solace. You're going to find peace. You're going to find maybe just forgetfulness. I find it interesting because usually this is what drives people to drink. Now, I've been around a lot of people that drank in my lifetime, especially my younger years. And I have to tell you something. I discovered something. That when that person, said person, would come out of their drunken stupor, they would still have the same problems. Nothing changed. Oh, they had a night of forgetfulness and sometimes a night of puking, which I was always designated to clean up, but that's a different story. But the problems were never solved. You still come out of it. The reality is, you can't disappear from you. Because if you really come down to it, we're the problem. People. But see, God is near. And God comes to save. Now look at verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. You're not getting away from it. Living in a sinful world and at times we make bad decisions just like David did. Oh, but the Lord. See, always when you find the word but the Lord, it's a good thing. In fact, if you want, highlight that every time you can. But the Lord. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. Again, out, not from. 
Now, decisions that we make, we can find ourselves in a bad place. And in those decisions become really, if you will, a falling away or can be a hardness of heart. Rebellious. Just like Pharaoh. Three times it says that his heart grew hard. The sad thing is, the fourth time it says, his heart became hard. I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to take the time to let the Lord speak to me and obey. I have my own way of dealing with things. And Psalm 106 says this, Then they believed his words and they sang his praise, speaking of the children of Israel. They soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. And he gave them the request, but sent leanness into your souls. It's a scary place to be when we just go off and try to make things right on our own. Lord, you don't understand this person's hurt me. Lord, you don't understand. You fill in the blank. And the danger of that is, is not crying out in humility and not looking to God in faith, is that we can find ourselves going deeper and deeper in the darkness. Again, it's to understand that we're all going to go through struggles and trials. That's just life. But what do we do? Do we come broken? Do we come grieving? Do we come with a tender heart? Because see, that is, if you will, the soil for growth. That when we come with a broken heart, and then we can come with, if you will, a soil that's ready, ready to receive what God has to say to us. In Psalm 126 it says, Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. In Hosea chapter 10, it says, Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He comes and rains righteousness on you. See, sometimes we think if I'm crying out and the tears are flowing, that that's a weakness. It's a strength. It's a realization that I can't and you can. I'm in need And my heart yearns for you. Have you ever done that? Have you ever shut the door and cried to the Lord? Realizing your own weakness? Your own shame? Or your own hurt? Your own grieving? But see, when those things happen, cry, but don't seek things outside of God. It never works. Ever. Anything apart from God will not be lasting. Now, I've had to, again, counsel people, and sometimes it's hard. I, I get it, because, you know, I have to deal with this all the time, and that is the truth of God and His Word. And sometimes people just want somebody just to listen to them. And, and I listen. I do. But sometimes they want something even more. And so they get professional help. And that's fine. I don't have a problem with professional help. But I'll always warn them. If you go to a secular counselor, then you're going to get secular advice. And if it's apart from God, it's not going to help you. 
If you need to have the need to just share your heart with somebody, I understand that. But if you're going to get counseling, make sure it's Christian-based counseling. Biblical counseling. Because it doesn't help. Just like I was just um, listening to an actor, and he went through a hard time. And he said he was getting therapy seven days a week because he was in a dark, dark place. Now he feels better. Now he's only going to his therapist three times a week. There's still no healing. He was just able to step out the door. See, God promises a healing, but it's on his terms. We can't seek anything outside of it. It has to be in him, with him. That's hard. I understand, especially in our day and age. Some, some way, somehow, some reason, we feel like we need to blab everything about ourselves. And we expect you to accept this, secularly speaking. And you have to somehow um, confirm me. Accept me. But still, all it does is reveal brokenness. Now look at verse 20. He guards all his bones, not one of them is broken. That word bones is an anatomical sense, your skeleton. But it also means something else. In the theological word book of the Old Testament, it says this. Yet another employment of this word is a figure of seat of emotions. Jeremiah speaks of the um, proclaiming Yahweh as a burning fire showed up in his bones. Both used to parallel heart, David speaks of the burden of sin, causing a sin of health in his bones. The revealings of his enemies challenging the reality of Yahweh are, are shattering of my bones. One's bones may refer to the entire person, where bones is used parallel to self and soul. I'm broken inside. My soul is broken. I am hurting. And I will, if you will, literally, I believe that's what David's saying here. His heart is broken. He is broken. And yet, God guards God guards his emotion. God guards his self. Now to understand this is that God guards continual action. It means he keeps guarding. He keeps watch over. Why? Because not one of his bones are broken. It's not a completed action. It's not permanent damage. So though I am broken, I'm not completely broken to permanent damage. Not when God guards over us. Not when He's watching over us to protect, to save, to preserve. To keep within bounds. Do you ever feel that? You're going, how much more can I take? How much more will it allow, God will allow? An understanding of this is a key to all of us. That no matter what you're going through, God will only allow so much, so far. He knows exactly how much you can take. But understand, in that taking, how and when and will 
we cry out and say, I can't, I need you, only you. This poor man cries in humility and weakness. There is nothing else, no one else that can save me. There's no one else that can get me through this. No one else. I look to you and only you. Help. What's sad is so many of us, it takes so long for us to finally bend the knee completely with a broken heart, with tears on our pillow and say, I can't take another step apart from you. Are you wondering why it hasn't changed? Is it because we haven't? Still trying to do it on our own. Still trying to find somebody else. Just like the old pastor story. You've probably heard it a million times. I have. The guy that's fallen off a cliff and he's hanging on to a limb that's sticking out of the cliff. And he's crying out to God. God, save me. Save me, God. Please save me. And here's a voice. Let go. He waits a minute and then he thinks, is anybody else up there? I want a different way. I want my way. I want something less painful. And as the story goes, he was only a foot off the ground. But God knows best. God knows us. God knows everything about us. And again, we could bring it back to David. God knows everything about David. He protects He knows how far the limitations of each of us are. And if you will, we've been reading this in Romans. Let me take you there. Romans 8. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. We do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these also he called. Whom he called, these he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. Let me break this down. It's saying here is God's Spirit is in you, crying and moaning, knowing exactly every limitations that you can take, but also knowing what pressure points to give you so that you will give up and look to Him. Trust in Him, knowing that everything you're going through in your life, can you accept this? Can I accept this? No matter where you find yourself right now, God is using it for His purpose, for His glory, transforming, changing you, conforming you to the image of His Son. He is at work. This is the workplace. This is the quarry. This is the place we get chiseled. This is the place where it hurts. In heaven there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more shame, no more guilt, no more suffering. All will be new. You will be complete. You will be whole. And God says, do you trust me? Do you trust me with your life? Do you trust me with your emotions? Do you trust me with your pain? Do you trust me with your suffering? Do you trust me with your guilt and your shame? Do you trust me? And he says to each of us, then let go. 
Now remember, this doesn't mean that we just go, my hands are off the wheel. What it means is, I trust you to direct my steps. I trust you to guide me. I trust you. Because see, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. See, that's the hardest thing. We still have this mindset of what we think we should be. Where we should be. What we should be. We have that mentality. And that's what keeps us from really, if you will, what God desires to do in each of us. As we see others that succeed, we see others that have seemingly at all, no pain, no suffering. I just saw Keith Richards again. I don't know how the man's still alive. You look at this guy and you go, look, he's got it all. He's still alive. He should be dead as much as he's lived his life and how he lived it. And people will fan, just focus on that and think, why? Well, look at verse 21. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. Now, I don't know Keith Richards' heart, so please forgive me. Who knows? He may be this close to giving his life to the Lord. I don't know. But understand this. Everybody's going to stand before him. Whether through success or poverty, they all stand. And all will have to bow the knee. Everything will be made right. God is the perfect judge. Do I trust Him? Do I understand that what's happening to me is because He loves me and He wants me to be completely loyal to Him? Not what I see around me. Because many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. God does these things. Uh, Look at verse 22. The Lord redeems the soul of His servants, and none of those who trust in Him shall be condemned. The Lord redeems to ransom, to redeem with a price or by an offering. The soul of His servants, those who trust in Him, none of those shall be condemned. None. Does that sound familiar? For those who are in Christ shall not suffer condemnation. Work that he's doing, ah, it's beautiful. Is it painful? Trust me, I know, it's painful. Sometimes you wish he could just pull it out real quick. It's like a a thorn in your flesh. Pull it out. Piece of metal, pull it out. Piece of glass, pull it out. Get it out. Get the splinter out. Get the pain out. Cry out to him. Just remove it so I don't have to deal with this anymore. Whether it be sin, whether it be um, whatever you put in the place. A person. Whatever affliction you feel right now, just remove it, you cry. And so do I. And yet we don't acknowledge or we don't rest in the fact and the truth that God has redeemed the soul. That God is the one to be trusted. we all did, if every believer did, then there would be no need for Christian psychiatrists. 
Let God be God. Let us just submit. Now here's where I get excited because we passed over something. And I know some of you already got it. It's verse 20. Read it again. He guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Does that sound familiar to you? Well, let me read it to you. It's in John chapter 19, starting at verse 33. Listen. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who had seen has testified, and his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth, so that you may believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. Not two literal interpretations fulfilled. Isn't that amazing? But it's what's interesting about this is if you notice too, it says literally his bones were not broken. But there's a figuratively part of this too. See, Christ was not broken, but he gave himself willingly to pay for our ransom. He was up there not broken, but He was taking your brokenness upon Himself so that He could ransom you. Titus 2.14 says, Who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own special people, zealous for good works. To heal the broken. To make all things new. Because now we come to brokenness, and yet we also understand something. That the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, oil for mourning, oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. See, in the brokenness, the seed comes out. In the brokenness is where it comes up from the earth. The brokenness of the sea that splurts out from the earth, it becomes to bear fruit. That fruit can have only be praised to what it become DNA from. If I take an acorn and I plant it, wheat's not going to come out, but a mighty oak tree's going to come out of that stupid little seed. We used to take the caps off them. We used to make faces on them. They're a very interesting seed, if you will. But you plant that in the ground and a mighty oak tree comes from it. But see, now you and I have something really interesting. Because see, we've been born again. Born again with a new, if you will, brand new DNA mixed with ours now. A pure DNA, His DNA. And now planted in a broken heart soil 
comes out right and pure and whole, able to weather the storm, stand tall because He came to heal the broken hearted. See, like it says in Hebrews, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted, just as we are, yet without sin. Wait a minute. You just said he wasn't broken. No, the skeleton wasn't. But see, if you notice, I mentioned that John talked about a soldier taking a spear and piercing his side and blood and water came out. And scientists and doctors tell us it means that he died of a ruptured heart because there was water and blood in his heart. See, he died of a broken heart so that your heart and my heart would not be. Do you see how much investment God has in you and me? It's amazing. And yet all He desires for me to do is cry out and acknowledge that I can't, but also to accept what I need to do. See, verse 3, David said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name. Let's worship Him. It's a matter of the will to worship Him. It's a matter of the will to trust Him. It's a matter of the will to lay my life before Him. It's a matter of understanding that only He can. But also, if you notice... David gave us a clue here. He said, let us, together. See, when we're going through brokenness, which is typically all the time, there's another key element here. It's go with someone else. You're not alone. See, sometimes I'm broken and I need somebody to stand with me. Sometimes you're broken and I need to be there for you. Jesus did the same thing when he went to the garden. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. They began to be sorrow and deeply distressed. And he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Solomon in his wisdom said, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for there is no one to help him. What does it mean that I have all the answers or you have all the answers? No, but we know Him who has all the answers. And sometimes it just takes one of us to go up to another brother or sister that's broken and say, hey, I'm here for you. And then help them again focus on the one that though his bones weren't broken, his heart was broken for us. Now, in conclusion, what can I say of this? 
Where did David write this? Well, it's interesting because many believe that he wrote it in a cave for Dulam. Now, why is that interesting? Because, see, when David left the king of the Philistines, it says in 1 Samuel 22, verse 1, David therefore departed from there, escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. See, David learned this. I need others. I'm not a super, super saint. Let that sink in. Because we know David was a beloved of God, but sometimes we put these guys too high. They're just like you and me. Oh, don't get me wrong. David was a fabulous man. He's one of my favorite characters. Courage. And yet he is also a, a heart of a poet. He's a warrior, king, a shepherd. No, no, there's a, there's a lot to admire about David, and that's not my point. My point is, though, it's like Jesus said of John the Baptist, of those that have been born of woman, there's none greater than John the Baptist. But, but, it's less than those that have been born anew. Paraphrasing big time. Those that receive me will be greater. Why? Because now we have the Holy Spirit inside us. Groaning. Praying for us. Watching over us. Understanding us. Better than we understand ourselves. That He knows exactly the right pressure. He knows exactly what to use for us to be open and broken and trusting and believing and holding on to nobody else but only Him and walking with those that are like-minded. So if you feel yourself broken right now, is there somebody that you're walking along with? Somebody that will direct you to Him who's the healer? Are you crying out, understanding that you're poor, that you're wretched, that you come in humility, believing that only He can be the one, only He, that can heal your broken heart? Take the time to pray and to walk with Him. And tell somebody else to be in prayer for you. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning. Just thank you for, again, just your word and how it, it resonates in our hearts. That reveals so many things that we need to hear and know. I pray for each person that's here this morning, whether their heart is broken this morning or, Lord, sorrow is around the corner. I pray that you would strengthen them and help them to understand the love that you have for them that you would encourage them, that you'd help them to understand that you see all things and all things are working good for your purpose and for your plan for their lives. And help us to also acknowledge our Savior who understands us completely. And we just thank you that His heart was broken for us. 
Bless the time that we have together in fellowship. And Lord, I just pray that if there's someone out there that has not shared with somebody else their brokenness, I pray that you would help them to be encouraged by others, to be vulnerable. And I pray for others, Lord, that are not going through such times, that they would be those that would step up and let them know that they understand and that they'll be in prayer for them with also the realization that maybe next time it'll be them. Pray for this body, that we would be a body that would be broken completely before you, with the understanding, Lord, that you are the healer, that you are doing a work in our lives as a church, and we continue to cry out to you to have your way with us. Lord, we do pray that you would be glorified here. And we lift all these things up to you in Jesus' name. Amen.